I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. Once you understand how much of the world you are self-creating, you may spend a minute being a little crestfallen of like, oh, wow, I've been bumming myself up for no reason for years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you start to realize the immense power of this and the ability you have to rewrite old stories, to create new stories, to question your assumptions about you and who you are in the world, to ask those hard questions, and to remake your world. This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 329 with guest Samantha Bennett. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy. Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. I am so glad that I have this platform to be able to continue to be in your ears every week. How are you? Oh my gosh. You may have been listening to my bonus episodes where I am specifically reserving those for talking to you about how to cope. How do we cope through this crisis that is happening all over the world? So if you haven't caught those, they are just intermingled with all of the regular interviews and Wednesday episodes that I drop in your inbox and in your ears. And this coming weekend is might be for the t- for a little while the last bonus episode that I bring you. I am back to recording episodes over at Not Another Self-Help Podcast with my co-host, Amy Smith. If you haven't checked that out yet, I highly encourage you to do so. We have a whole new season that drops Friday, April 3rd. So we're super pumped about that. Also, I'm doing something I haven't done in a really long time before that I'm excited about. If you heard my last episode, I talked about how a particular email that I got from one of you brought me to tears. They were good tears. And a woman just wrote in talking about how much she loves the podcast and how much her books have been helpful and that she started a book club around my first book, 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life with some women that she knows. And I just, I was ready for a good cry anyway. And it was really the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was crying. And my immediate thought was, I need to do a book club, you know, host a Q&A for this woman and just from a place of gratitude and just connecting with you all, my community. And I thought, you know what? Why don't I bring this to all of you who 
have loved the books, whether you loved 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life or How to Stop Feeling Like Shit or both of them or even neither. If you are a listener to the podcast and you haven't got around to reading my books yet, now might be a good time. You might have some extra time on your hands. Probably the fastest way for you to get them is on Audible or ebook. I'm not sure you know, when this is in your ears, how shipping is going with Amazon. But I I do know, and I have heard actually my literary agents sent all of their authors an email and said, encourage your community to buy, you're going to have to probably order them from local bookstores. They are being hit the hardest through this crisis, as well as Barnes & Noble. And from what I understand, Target is still shipping books and we need books, right? We need books. Please support your authors. We need books to help get us through this time. And so anyway, I am going to do a free Zoom call for all of you. It is coming up on April 7th. You can text the word book club to 55444. Super easy for you to do. You can also head over to yourkickasslife.com slash book club for both the texting and that URL. Book club is all one word. Text to 55444 or head over to yourkickasslife.com slash book club and sign up for free. You will get the link and the time and all of those details. You don't have to come on video for the Zoom call, although I love to see your beautiful smiling faces and it's really awesome to be able to connect with other like-minded people, especially right now. And of course, if you can't make it live, there 100% will be a recording for you to enjoy. All right, moving on to today's guest. Y'all, I have known Samantha personally for many years now. You might hear me mention that I'm in a peer mastermind. I've been in a peer mastermind since the beginning of my, even before I officially launched your Kick-Ass Life, which is in 2010. So this had to have been at the end of 2009 or maybe the beginning of 2010. I was in a group of five women. I pulled them together and said, hey, let's do a mastermind thing together. And it was a bunch of moms that were just starting their their coaching practices and everybody's business kind of looked different. And, and that end, ended up kind of dismembering, you know, not for any bad reason, just sometimes they they kind of fall apart for whatever reasons. And I've I've just always been in one. And, and this particular group I've been in, gosh, at least since 2015 or 2016. And Samantha Bennett is one of those people. I didn't know her before we joined and she is such a joy. She is hilarious and amazing. And you might have remember me talking about before my second book was coming out, before How to Stop Feeling Like Shit was coming out. And I had mentioned one of my mastermind peers had said, you know, what if you let this thing be as big as it needs to be? That was Samantha. Samantha just gives the best advice whenever I need to hear it. She's an amazing soft place to land. And quite honestly, if I wasn't already married and she wasn't already married, I may very well ask her to marry me. Like that's how much I adore this woman. And and you'll hear, we do have a lot of fun on this particular episode. And of course, this was recorded pre-pandemic, but I wanted to still bring it to you no matter what. And let me tell you a little bit about her professionally. 
Originally from Chicago, Samantha Bennett is a writer, speaker, actor, teacher, and creativity slash productivity specialist, and the author of the best-selling Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day. Her latest bestseller is Start Right Where You Are, How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Overachievers, and Recovering Perfectionists. She's the creator of The Organized Artist Company dedicated to helping tens of thousands of creative people get unstuck, helping them to focus and move forward on their goals. So without further ado, here is Samantha. (laughs) Sam Bennett is on the show. Welcome. Thanks. Hi, Andrea. Hi, everybody. You know what I just realized is that some people might remember, because you haven't been on the show yet, this is your first time (gasps) on the podcast, but this is not the first time you've been mentioned to my audience. Oh, really? So I wrote a blog post that was also a podcast episode. I think it's been more than a year where I talked about how during one of our mastermind group calls, you said to me in, in the nicest way, <laughs> what if you stopped pussyfooting around? <laughs> yep. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was such a, you know, it was such a great wake up call and and kind of more or less tough love, but, but not really. And one of the, you know, like everyone has those friends where like it could only come out of your mouth. (laughs) That's, that's how people know Sam Bennett. So the other thing I remember talking about with you that had a big impact on both of us when I said it, because, you know, sometimes you're talking to somebody else, but you're also talking to yourself. um, Yeah. Is that thing of let it be as big as it wants to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, letting your projects yeah. have the impact that they're going to have in the world without you necessarily trying to obsess or control that part of it. Exactly. Well, it, and it's such a, such a great sort of intro because you, we're going to talk a lot about creativity, which is, you know, part of your, your shtick. That's my thing. Will. That's my thing. And the, to give that some context, because it is such a powerful life lesson is you were talking to a mutual friend of ours in a group call and you were telling her that, like, what if you let this thing be as big as it, it, um, it wants to be or needs to be or something like that. And I, I took that because mm. you know, I'm always just thinking about myself because I'm conceited. <laughs> so I took that on and was like, oh, and, and thought about that for how to stop feeling like shit. And it, it, it is big. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. So the wisdom of Samantha Bennett is here. All caps. Also, I just have to ask, you're totally not conceited. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just love that word. I think it's so funny. It's so funny. Maybe because like when we were kids, it was like one of the worst things as a girl to be conceited. Do you remember that? Uh, totally. And the other thing I sometimes do now with people is I'm like, so let's think about this self-centered. Like, yes, I am in the center of myself. Mm-hmm. What's in the center of you? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Egocentric. Yeah. Self-absorbed. Yeah. I like that one too. <laughs> selfish. I find that people say selfish when you're just not doing what they want you to do. <laughs> so selfish. <laughs> not doing what I want. Okay. Well, I, I can't wait to talk to you because I, I have all these questions for you and, and I'm not going to ans- ask them in the quote unquote right order because I want to jump in to this question that I think so many people will be curious to hear more about because you talk a lot about procrastination. Mm. 
right? Or do I, I'm, do I have the wrong person on? No, no, that's me. That's me for sure. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I know it's you. <laughs> it would have been funny if I was asking the wrong person, what? but I know you talked both about procrastination and overwhelm. Mm. So let's, let's start there. Like, can you tell people and, and feel free to talk as long as you want about this? Cause I know this is really, really your thing. Like, I think what, what I would love is what, what are some small changes overwhelmed procrastinators can make that will make a big difference in their lives? Yeah. So, um, mm, so many places to start. Let's back up for one step because both of those words, overwhelm and procrastination are very big words yeah. that we use to mean a lot of different things. And when you use the same word to describe a lot of different things, that's, that makes you crazy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right? Specificity mm-hmm. in language is one of the things that keeps us sane. So, right, there's a Chinese proverb, I think, that says the beginning of wisdom is to call things by their right names. Right? Hmm. The beginning of wisdom is to call things by their right names. So, this procrastination thing, sometimes you're not procrastinating, you just don't want to do it. Yeah. You're not interested. It doesn't matter to you. It's a should. It's somebody else's idea. It's an old dream from like years ago that's just kind of, you never bothered to cross off the list. Um, you know, if, if something doesn't matter to you and it doesn't really matter to anybody else, cross it off the list. Like, give yourself a break. Uh-huh. You know, oftentimes, people are like, oh, I should really have, a, I'm progressing on having a podcast. I really should. Not necessarily, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that may- that's how I feel about a morning routine. And I'm like, oh, I'm procrastinating on doing that. It's like, actually, I, I don't ever want to do it. That's right. I'm not interested in that. Or what other people think it should look like. Like I have one, but it's not what people think it might should. Exactly. So consider this your permission slip to just drop any of that stuff. Um, sometimes what we call procrastination is honestly, projects have their own time. Mm-hmm. You know, like there is, there's a value in setting goals and pursuing things and being relentless and not giving up on deadlines. But there is also an element of surrender in life. You know, sometimes you're not ready. The world isn't ready. You're waiting for a partner or a relationship or a technology. I mean, even this interview we're doing right now, we're on Zoom. This didn't exist five years ago, mm-hmm. you know. So keep showing up to the idea and be checking in. Like, is now really the right time for this? Um, and 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 the the baby steps I would recommend if you're confused about like well I don't know if it's the right time or I don't know if I care about this or not is to really think of just a 15 minute action. What is something you can do in 15 minutes that's easily affordable, that's not too risky, that you can just like check it out a little bit, sort of you know follow the sparkly breadcrumbs, mm-hmm. see what draws your attention, sort of take a few little steps. And you know how this goes because sometimes you take a couple of steps and it's like the universe comes rushing at you. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow, that was easy. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Let's do more of that. Other times you take a couple of steps and it's like, it's a lot of knees and elbows. It's really awkward. It's, you know, expensive or weird. And then you just go, okay, great. Not the right time. That's interesting. It makes me think of people who, for instance, have been working on their novel for 10 years, who who are like taking teeny, tiny, tiny steps into starting their side hustle business or something like that. And then those people are hard on themselves for quote unquote procrastinating. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the hallmark of procrastination is fear. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not doing something and you ask yourself, you know, in, in in a loving, serious voice, you know, hmm. I'm curious with myself why I'm not doing this. 
if the answer from your inner self is because I'm terrified, then yeah, you're procrastinating. So, you know, find a way to make it less terrifying, get a friend, you know, Mm -hmm. have somebody hold your hand, get some encouragement, join a group, get a coach, get a coach. Mm -hmm. I don't know how Mm -hmm. anybody does anything like Right. (laughs) As self-serving as that advice may seem, get a coach. Um, Because we're conceited. Because we're conceited and full of ourselves and (laughs) self-centered. And, uh, you know, and, and work through that because of course you're scared. Of course you're scared. Putting a novel out into the world is terrifying. Starting a side hustle is terrifying. There's a reason most people don't do it. It's horrible, (laughs) but it's also Mm -hmm. amazing and great. And everything you want is on the other side of it. So face up to it. I love that. Okay. And it's, and I I had to kind of dive in the deep end with that one. And, and it's, it's sort of on the same page, you know, and and even though it's not the, the brand, brand new year, but it's a new year in terms that it's 2020 and it's a big deal. And, you know, we ended a decade and everybody is talking about goals. And you talk about, this is interesting, you talk about setting worthy goals Mm. and sticking with them even through what you call the grown zone, which is hilarious. So what are, tell us what worthy goals are and how can one achieve them? Yeah. So worthy goals have a lot more to do with your value system than what you want to achieve. And they have a lot more to do with the kind of person you want to be than maybe the way you want your life to look. Mm-hmm. And I find, especially with highly creative people and just super smart people who tend to be really slippery and can talk themselves in and out of things on a dime, yeah. that if I tie, help them tie what it is they want to the kind of person they want to be, it becomes a lot easier to get it done, um, even things that are, that are hard. Um, and even making a merit out of their hardness. You know, as you know, I am incredibly smug about the fact that I go to CrossFit. Um, <laughs> Isn't every CrossFit person smart oh, yeah. about We're it? We're worse than vegans. We're worse than vegans. I We're feel t- like it's a part of the CrossFit manifesto. It is. It is. Be incredibly <laughs> smug and pleased with yourself um, and conceited. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. But part of the reason I go and part of the reason I make myself go when I don't want to go is I remember to myself, I can do hard things. Mm-hmm. I can do okay. hard things. And that 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 phrase galvanizes me. That phrase will get me up off the couch and be like, right, right. That's what I do. I do hard things. I can do this. And then I go. So it sounds like it's more, you make it more about why it's important to you. Like the way you live your life is how I describe it rather than just CrossFit, just doing the thing or just, just a workout. Exactly. So it's not, yeah, it's not just a workout. It's not just my vanity or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or maybe for more tangible goals, like, oh, I want to double my income or I want to, you know, write this book. It's like, yes, but for what? Right. Mm -hmm. For what? What's the purpose? Well, I really, it's important to me to be able to make decisions without having to worry about money to remove that concern. You know, Mm -hmm. it's important for me to be able to buy the good olives at the grocery store. Who do you want to be? So, you know, oh, I've got this obligation or I've got this thing I set for myself and now I'm not really feeling about it. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. 
Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I read this really interesting thing recently that's one of the reasons why goal setting is kind of bullshit, is we get an endorphin rush from setting the goal. Oh, I do 100%. Right? Everyone does. You write it down. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we feel that like... Yes. The dopamine hit. I am powerful, right? Exactly. We get that dopamine hit. And then it goes away. So wah, wah. Wah, wah. So we set the goal. And then, and then there is not a dopamine hit in getting up and going to the gym. There's not a dopamine hit in making that 10th client call. There is not a dopamine hit in sitting down and writing. There's like the anti-dopamine hit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just aversion. What's the saying about like- Is that what the groan zone is? The groan zone is the middle- when you just think it's never going to happen and you're bored and you hate everything. I call that the slog. The slog, exactly. Yeah. And in some circles, it's known as the moment before the miracle. Mm-hmm. Okay. To me, that's like the writing of the book, mm-hmm. like the sitting down. That's the slog, that's the groan zone. What's interesting about that, you know, whether it's CrossFit or whatever goal that the person has, if it's writing a book or really anything, the way my perspective on that, I think we might be talking about the same thing is when I talk to people about their values and if, especially if they're new to values work, I ask them like, what's important about the way you live your life? Mm -hmm. What's the most important thing to you? And I love the way you ask it, you know, who, who do you want to be? And it's, I think that there is such such a declaration in that when you do CrossFit that declaration of I am someone that can do hard things. And for you at that moment, it looks like CrossFit. For someone else, it might look like someone who has hard conversations or sets boundaries like a mofo or things like that. And so, because I always say like, it's really never about the thing. It's really never about CrossFit or the olives or whatever. It's about the thing that you think you're going to get on the other side. So once you can identify that... Sometimes you can just shortcut it, but <laughs> sometimes you can shortcut it. That's for sure. And some, and the other value here is that 
it makes the process valuable. So now we're not just working on our goals for the result of the goal, which frankly, you may or may not get, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't always know. Mm -hmm. We can't always control what's going to happen. No, there's no guarantee. Right. We can make a best effort, but we can control the process. And if we are being the person we want to be through the process, then whatever the result is, will be beneficial. Yeah. It will never feel like wasted time because it'll be like, well, I didn't finish the book, but man, did I learn a lot about discipline as I was doing that. Like, man, did I become a better writer as I, Mm -hmm. you know, wrote this book that now I'm never going to publish, you know, whatever it is. Or you realize you hate writing and would rather paint or something like that. Exactly. That's really valuable information. And also, again, because I work mostly with highly creative people who are not super motivated by money or prestige or good grades. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like we don't care <laughs> and we'd rather quit a job oh. and starve than do something that bores us. Um, uh-huh. So again, tying those goals to, to the character of the person, to the values and the, and the way you want to be in the world and the world you want to create. Like now your actions become a force for good in the world. Yes. Oh, I love everything about that. Okay. Well, this might be related and it it might not. I might just be making up that it's related, but you wrote a blog post and some people that I have on the show hate it when I ask these questions because they wrote it in like 2009 and they're like, wow, you expect me to remember anything about that, but hopefully you do. But the, the title of it is called Your Imagination is your superpower. And in this post, you outlined how you can use your imagination to create stories about things that may not be true. So can you talk with us about some action steps to use your imagination for good? Yes. Um, And thank you for reading old blog posts. (laughs) Do you you remember it at all? Okay. (laughs) But I talk about, but it's something I talk about all the time. So that's, that's fine. The um, yeah. So first of all, uh, most of you are, have massive imaginative powers and you're not using them for good. You are not using your powers for good. You are using your imaginative powers to assume that people don't like you. They're not interested. Nobody's going to pay for that. Nobody cares. You're ugly. Everybody's better than you. Like all that shit talk in your head. You're just making it up. Mm -hmm. Right? And really when we think about how the mind works, everything you think about the past is just a movie that's running inside of your mind. Right? Everything you think about the past is just a movie that you are running inside of your mind. Mm-hmm. Everything you think about the future is just a movie that you are running inside of your mind. Honestly, most of what you are experiencing right now is just a movie that you are running inside of your mind. And if you doubt me, check with other people who were in the room at the time. Mm-hmm. And you will find that they have a totally different experience than you did, right? Because they are running a different movie inside of their mind. Once you understand how much of the world you are self-creating, you may spend a minute being a little crestfallen of like, oh, wow. I've been bumming myself out for no reason for years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then you start to realize the immense power of this and the ability you have to rewrite old stories, to create new stories, to question your assumptions about you and who you are in the world, to ask those hard questions and to remake your world. It's really powerful. Like if you sit down and think about how much freedom we have in that, that we're not even utilizing. Oh yeah. And how much, even those of us who like are in personal development, like how much self-victimization happens, you know, how Mm -hmm. much we make up a story of like, well, they don't want me. I can't have that. That's not for me. I mean, some of the most evolved people I know suffer with that. And Mm -hmm. I have a thing that I do. Um, 
where, especially when something really crappy happens, I have a statement that I use that says, nothing bad is happening. Nothing bad is happening. So you say that to yourself when like shit's hitting the fan? Yeah. Okay. And here's what this, and everything from like the parking lot at Trader Joe's. (laughs) Which, come on, like that can be catastrophic. We all know a Trader Joe's. I don't know how they managed to make every single one of those impossible, but they do. Um, To, you know, I have a friend who's in hospice right now, right? Mm -hmm. So all of these things, I say nothing bad is happening. And then here's what happens for me. It's a little multi-step process kind of. One is, that's me reminding myself that I have a spiritual belief that says we live in a benevolent universe. So it grounds me in that personal belief of mine. It says Mm -hmm. like, okay, I believe that love is in fact all there is. So nothing bad is happening. Now I get curious. If nothing bad is happening, what is happening? Is something frustrating and annoying happening? Is something um, tragic and heartbreaking happening? Is something um, disturbing happening? Like what's the, again, specificity in language, right? What's the actual word for what's really happening? And then where's the invitation in that? How am I being called forward to grow in this moment? Am I being called forward to be a more patient person? to be a more forgiving and generous person, to be a person with stronger boundaries, to be a more fragile person? Where am I being called forward? And this helps me reframe things that would otherwise just feel like shit happening in my life to mm-hmm. an opportunity for spiritual growth. I love that perspective or slash assignment on that. Cause I was, I was, did not know how, what the steps you were taking. I'm like, okay, so you lie to yourself and tell you something, <laughs> tell yourself nothing bad is happening. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> well, and, and it, <laughs> sometimes but I do. I love where you went. Sometimes it feels like lying to myself, but you know, if I, if I hang in there, it, I can usually get to reality. And it also helps me from overreacting. Like I remember, um, one time my nephew had a little health crisis and it looked very serious at the beginning. Um, and it was really terrifying. Uh-huh. And I got on the phone with my sister and I'm like, look, so far we don't actually know anything. Right. Right now, at this moment, nothing bad is happening. Mm-hmm. We don't have a diagnosis. So let's not freak out about a problem we don't have yet. Yeah. Right? It sounds a little Course in Miracles, like so woo-woo oh. and amazing. And yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love it. Plus, plus for Course in Miracles, by the way. I love that book. It was, I feel like you have to be ready for that book. It, it's deep. It, that and Power of Now will mess you up. <laughs> I have Power of Now has been sitting in my bookshelf for, I mean, how long has that book been out? Like eight years or more? And I've never read it. I had to read it like a paragraph at a time. I would read it and be like, okay, mind blown. Yeah. I, have to, I have to rest now. <laughs> I have found the same to be true with women who run with the wolves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one too. I'm like... I don't know if I, cause I go through like that. Am I not smart enough for these books? <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's, it is like a rich Italian meal mm-hmm. where you have like fettuccine Alfredo and garlic bread and like so many different, like heavily cheese and carbohydrated foods where you're like, I need a moment yeah. <laughs> with all of this a moment, maybe a day of arugula salad and I'm going to come back to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And not that it's bad rich, but it's just, it's, it's a lot to digest. That's why I wanted to use that analogy. Yeah. Um, but I, I, what I wanted to kind of circle back to what you were, when you were talking about using your imagination for good and you were talking about, you know, the stories that we make up and 
I either read somewhere or heard somewhere and, and people were talking about memories and how so much of our own memories are wrong. This is and how much we make up based on photo albums from our childhood. This is fascinating to me, isn't it? So here's something that I, I uh, a neurological study that I read recently, and when I say the first thing, it's going to sound dumb, but hang in there. Basically, the study said the problem with memory is that we only remember what we remember, and we don't remember what we don't remember. Mm-hmm. And what that means <laughs> sounds sort of it's a tautology, <laughs> okay. Sam. That's stupid. No, no. But where what this actually means is like let's say you know, something happened right now and um, somebody came over afterwards and asked us, hey, what just happened? And, you know, you would describe to them what you thought just happened. And then later today, tonight, you would tell the story about what happened. And even by the time of the first and second retelling, you will only be remembering the parts of the story that you've told. And you will not remember the other stuff that was also happening at the same time because that's how your brain prioritizes. It can't remember mm-hmm. everything. So mm-hmm. it says, oh, this one, this part's important and that part's important and we can let everything else fade to black. So this is the thing. And especially for those recurrent memories and those recurrent opinions you have about other people. You know that person that every time you think of them, you're like, ugh. And you remember that thing they did? No, I only have good opinions of everyone. I know. You, <laughs> you St. Andrea, doesn't have this problem. <laughs> but, but Even though I'm only self-absorbed. But for the okay. rest of us humans. But yes, yeah. no, I do. No, <laughs> I just had this happen, actually. There was this woman that I knew in college, and I'm still sort of friendly with her. And every time I saw her name or thought about her, I had this memory from college that had this judgment around this thing that had happened. It was, doesn't even worth, it's not even worth telling the story because it was so dumb. And I finally thought about it for a second and I was like, wait a minute, she wasn't wrong. And I'm kind of an ass for having been judging her all these years. Mm-hmm. And to really go, oh, because I'm only remembering what I remember. I only remember how righteous I felt in that moment judging her. Yeah. And we love feeling righteous, right? It's so awesome. It's addictive. <laughs> righteous, outraged. We love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Indignation. <sighs> them those people <laughs> yeah that happens a lot yeah here's my here's my little antidote for that you want to hear this one this is good this is more than anything else in the world this yeah. is a challenge so when i see people doing things that i disapprove of <laughs> okay i think there i am oh my gosh <laughs> right so you see the overweight oh, person Sam, that is like one thing that i wish that i could unhear because now i'm gonna have to ask myself that <laughs> tell you what you know you see the <laughs> overweight person that. smoking you see the teenagers misbehaving you see the you know mom yelling you then you're just like there i am Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Uh, I, cause what I say is they're fucking stupid. No, I don't say that. <laughs> I say, um, so like for instance, if it's, if it's someone, I use this one and I, I talk about this all the time on the podcast. Like if it's someone driving like a complete asshole, like reckless, unsafe or steals a parking spot, I always tell myself like, well, maybe they have to poop. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know what's going on in their life. And if I infuse humor in it, it just makes me let it go a lot easier. That's good because my kids even say it. Like if someone's driving way too fast or like bumps into us, like trying to get somewhere, we don't know. Maybe they have to go really bad. And we all know what that feels like. I, I love that. But, I, I do the same thing, although I make it more tragic. I'm like, maybe something terrible has happened. <laughs> but it's nothing bad. Nothing bad is happening. Nothing bad is happening, but they think something bad is happening. Therefore, they're driving like an asshole. Right, right. But I, I love that frame of putting it on ourselves because it is so true, even though we don't want it to be. I know. Judging other people. It's so fun, though. I know. So fun. But I, I do find that fascinating, just the whole memory thing in general. And the reason that I brought that up is because, you know, if we could even just sort of put it into perspective of like, who knows if even half of the memories that we have from childhood, good and bad, are even true. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, think about all the stories that you're making up <laughs> about, about what do the people think of you, about your talent, about what's possible for you. Those, you know, you can challenge every single one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually have, I have two things you can do actually. If, if this is the kind of thing that's keeping you stuck in your world, um, you out there listening, um, I've got two things you can do. One is just make some five minute art about it. Make some five minute art about it. This is particularly good with feelings you don't want to be having like jealousy or, you know, grief or frustration. Um, and what I mean by that is like, grab a piece of typing paper and a pen and make stick figures. Like just Get mm -hmm. on paper. That's how I do it. What does the feeling look like? What is the shape of the feeling? What is the color of the feeling? And if you don't want to draw, then, you know, you can do a dance or make up a song about it. That can be really fun. Um, but just get it on, get it out of you. Because here's the thing. First of all, feelings just want to be felt. Yeah. Feelings just want to I be felt. Mm -hmm. And once they know they've been felt, they can get promoted and get a better job. <laughs> 
Good for them. <laughs> right? As opposed to- <laughs> Congratulations. As opposed to, I heard this recently, I loved it. As opposed to, you know, what we normally do, which is like try to lock them in the basement. And then I heard somebody right. say, yeah, where they go down there and lift weights. <laughs> exactly. Right? They like do CrossFit. They do And CrossFit. they get in shape. <laughs> they're in shape <laughs> they get and they're smug. smug. <laughs> they're even more powerful. So, exactly. But when a feeling knows it's been felt, it transforms and literally your perspective on it is different. Um, I had a woman one time who was interviewing me for a podcast um, for her podcast. And she also, but she still had her, her regular day gig and she was reading start right where you are. And she saw the thing about make some five minute art about it and was like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> like we all do. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll do that sometime. Meaning never. And, but then she got home from work and she was like, Oh, she had an incredibly bad day at work. So she thought, oh, I've had this incredibly bad day. I'll make some five-minute art about it. She got out a piece of paper and drew, truly, stick figures with herself in the circle and then everyone from work in a circle around her throwing rocks at her. Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, just that, like, wow, that yeah. is a bad day. Like, that gives me a whole new understanding mm-hmm. of what kind of bad day you're having. Then, in a little moment of inspiration, she drew another circle around herself to represent God's love. And she went into work the next day feeling like I am protected by the love of God. Wow. That's a very different perspective. Right? I think we all know how the career of somebody who feels like everybody's throwing rocks at them is going to go. Yeah. I've been (laughs) in that job. Yeah. Yeah, I I did not feel like I had the love of God with me every day. Right? I think we all know what the end of that story is going to be. But the end, but that transition into, you know, I'm protected by God's love no matter what. Mm-hmm. God is love and fuck all y'alls. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's yeah, a totally that. different story. So that's, I, I love, I just want to pause with the, the five minute art thing. And I love that you brought it back to this from, and that's from start right where you are or from start right where get you it are. done. Yeah. Start right where you are. Okay. And, and by the way, we have both of the links to Sam's books in the, in the show notes. And it's 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 interesting because in my training with um, Dr. Brene Brown's work and her methodology, this kind of art is part of the curriculum, which I found interesting and a little bit like kind of eye rolly at first. But the way that they describe it, and for and it's from research, is that she describes it as getting the curriculum and the work from your head out through your body. Yes through your hands. Yeah. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. And, you know, of course I was open to it and I'm, I see the transformation in my own life and, and then, you know, and running this work with students and asking them to do this kind of art. And it really truly can be transformational. And I, I truly believe that I believe her, like getting it out of your body through your hands. Absolutely. You give it shape, you give it form and it changes. It just, it just, it feelings transform. It's amazing. And th- yeah. And things you think you'll never get over. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm kind of over that. I'm kind of over that. Well, it kind of brings me like, and usually I ask this question in the very beginning, but I just was too excited. But how did you get, cause you can, you come from, I don't even know the answers to this. So I'm partially just very selfishly curious. You come from a background in comedy, correct? Mm-hmm. And then you came to this work. So have you, were you always the kid that was doodling and being an artist or how did this come all the way around over here? Yeah. So really my background's in theater. I ended up in comedy Okay. Um, okay. because I'm almost six feet tall and there's not that much work outside of comedy for women who are very tall. Um, Is it like, well, I would think that like to be tall would be great for theater. Yeah. 
you'd think. I don't know anything about it. I just, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it is. Um, in some ways it is. But it's hard to fight. You know, you're not going to get cast as the, as the romantic lead. As what's her name? Clara from right. the Nutcracker. Exactly. Oh, that's ballet. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah. So my background was in theater and I was that kid who like went to theater camp and I did all the plays and I went to school for theater. Um, I actually left Northwestern University because um, I got offered a job at Second City, which is this legendary comedy theater in Chicago. And that seemed a lot more interesting. And it was. Um, so and then I spent, yeah, so I spent most of my adult life making my living as an actor and an improviser, which was super fun. Um, mm. and financially disastrous. So along the way, I just got really interested in this question of like, how do creative people make decisions? Um, and I've always been crafty. I draw, I cook, I needlework. I, you know, I look at everything in the stores and I'm like, I can make that. I'm going to make that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that. So if Pinterest and Etsy would have been around in the eighties. <laughs> your life might've looked a little bit different. <laughs> I would have been all over it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what I notice is, you know, there's a lot of highly creative people in the world and everybody's got their, their sort of area of creative genius. Everybody's got at least one or two areas where they're just super inspired and motivated and have a natural ability and a natural ability to problem solve. Um, and then there's highly creative people who have a lot of skills and talents and are good at a lot of things and have a zillion ideas all the time. And it makes them seem flaky mm-hmm. <laughs> or like they can't commit, but that's not actually the problem. So I just got really, yeah, I got really interested in, in, in helping those people and using creative tools to help everybody. Cause like I said, everyone's creative, not everyone's artistic. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's differentiate between these two things. I love that you differentiate between that because I think there are some people when they hear the word creative, they automatically think that artistic. And so they either tune out or they're like, that's not me. I don't make art. Right. And that's not it. Lots of, there's plenty of highly creative people who are not in the least bit artistic. And frankly, there's plenty of artists who are not that creative. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, tell it, well, explain to us what, how do, how do you define the difference between those two things? Yeah. So, I mean, artistic is an interest and ability in the arts, right? So it's right. drawing and painting mm-hmm. or dancing or singing or whatever. There's those people, but, mm-hmm. but your, your zone of creative genius, you probably don't even recognize because it just seems so obvious and normal to you. And I can think of a couple ways to, to and you're, and you, yeah, you're not even going to notice it because it's so, it's so natural and normal to you. So you can think of it as like, what's the thing that if somebody woke you up at three in the morning and said, Hey, Hey, we're going to go do this, or we need you to do this. And you would be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm up. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. That you would be excited to do. Um, and for some people that has to do with human interaction, you know, they're, they're great at storytelling. They're great at empathizing with people and helping people feel better or work through things. Um, for some people, it's strategy. For some people, it's puzzles. Some, for some people, it's, you know, ancient pottery. Mm-hmm. There's whatever, you know, whatever it is. The other way to think of it, and this just sort of enchants me, is I think it's fascinating that there is a disbursement of skills and interests among humans right? In any group of people. Thank God. Yeah, right. right? In any group of people, there's going to be the person who's going to organize the parties and there's going to be the person Mm -hmm. who's the healer and there's going to be the person who, you know, wants to go find the far country, right? And so if you sort of think yourself back in cave dwelling times, what would you be, what would your role in the tribe be? What would you do? Mm -hmm. What would you be called on for? Mm -hmm. 
Mine is organizing the games, which I know is your worst nightmare. Thank God you do that because <laughs> We've <talked about> this. <laughs> I, I have a nervous breakdown when somebody says games. <laughs> My sister wants game time. Sam is team captain. <laughs> My sister once described me as aggressively non-competitive. <laughs> aggressively non-competitive you need to put that on a shirt and sell it on etsy because i know there's so many people listening who are like me too yeah 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 no if i think somebody's keeping score i will go sit down and not get up again (laughs) go break their pencil that's right yeah okay okay so that's how you describe creativity that's i love how it's such a more broad definition than what probably most people think it is. Yeah. So it has to do with a, an area in which you have a natural interest, a natural inclination, a natural, um, and a natural ability to problem solve, because that's really what creativity is about is the ability to problem solve. Is it the ability to, to problem solve and how you problem solve? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, if you, I think I heard Seth Godin once say like, if you've ever solved a problem differently than anybody else has ever solved the problem, congratulations, you are a creative genius. Yeah. So yeah, it has to do with innovation and problem solving, I guess. Oh, that's interesting. And I think such a relief for so many people. So now all you listening, you can't say that you're not creative because you are. It just looks different than being artistic. That's right. And if you can find a way to engage your creativity in the stuff you want, particularly going back to the beginning, those goals you've, you're procrastinating on, it's all going to go much better. Because when you're doing something you like in the way you like to do it, like it's not that hard to get stuff done. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love this so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else you, I know that we're going to promote your books so you can spend the next minute talking about how great they are, (laughs) (laughs) but I I like to ask people, like, is there anything, you know, that we didn't cover that you want to shout out from the rooftops before we close? You know, I'm, I'm having an awareness that that we said at the very beginning, we would talk about overwhelm and I didn't get to it. So I, I feel, that's right. We didn't, I feel an obligation to the word overwhelm um, to say this overwhelm, first of all, is something that you do to you. Other people cannot make you feel overwhelmed. You make you feel Mm. overwhelmed. So once again, reclaim your power. Stop saying that. Um, And I feel like we generate that feeling of overwhelm when it feels like everything's coming at us at the same level of intensity. You know, when it's like, oh, this is pinging and this has to get done and this and this and this and this Mm -hmm. and this. And we can't really distinguish what's important, that that's where the overwhelm happens. So. Again, use your beautiful, big, sexy brain and prioritize, you know, Mm -hmm. go back to that. Who do I want to be? What's the most important thing and what can get crossed off the list? I love that you circled back to it. And I want to add this too, because it's really relevant in my life right now, as as you've been hearing about over the last couple of days, being my, my real life friend, is that I find that I complain about being overwhelmed typically when I don't feel like I'm getting enough help from people in my life Mm. and because I haven't asked them. Yes. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, the mean not getting the help I haven't asked for. Yeah. I'm I'm good at that too. The other one I love and our mutual friend, Amy Ehlers taught me this one. Sometimes people will say they're overwhelmed when they're actually underwhelmed. Okay. Like you've got too much boring crap going on. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So you just feel tired and like blah and overwhelmed. So like at that point, up your game. You know, yeah. 10x whatever you're doing, like make it, make it bigger, make it better or cross it off the list. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or get some. Use that sexy brain. Seriously. Get some I love that. I, I, I love that. 10X. Like get more things on your list that really, truly overwhelm you. Yeah. <laughs> get scared. The good shit happens on the other side of scared. It really does. And I, I wish that, I don't know, maybe, maybe I don't wish it was any other way, but I think I wish there was another answer, but then I wouldn't have a job. Um, <laughs> but it really, truly is like the biggest leaps of growth that have to have happened when I I'm really scared and things like that. So, oh, Sam Bennett, you are just a treasure. I love you, Andrea, and you're the bomb. A national treasure. So the, for the last 15 minutes of this show, Sam and I are just going to compliment each other because <laughs> it's going to be like, a, have you seen Booksmart yet? No, oh, you have movie? to see Booksmart because they have this whole little <laughs> ritual with each other where they're like, stop, you're too beautiful. Stop, your my eyes hurt because of your extreme beauty and gloriousness. I'm going to have to check myself into a monastery to think quietly about how spectacular you are as a person. <laughs> That's how spectacular you are. I need to go to a silent meditation for a month to meditate on your fabulousness. <laughs> I'm telling you, but watch Booksmart. It's a great film. Okay. Yeah. All joking aside, like I do think that more people need that in their life where they have people around them who can. Remember, I actually brought that. So again, Sam and I know each other from this mastermind. So it was last year and I was so afraid to do this. I came to our monthly meeting and said, and I was like sweating, like palm sweating. And I said, I need you guys to tell me what it is that you love about me because I am forgetting, like, what are my true talents in the world? And you know what you said to me that I still remember? You said, you are that person where when you walk into a party and you hear a woman yell, motherfucker, and you turn and you see Andrea and you think to yourself, I want to know her. And I was like, I've never had anyone describe me that way, but that's like the best compliment. <laughs> that's, I, I, I'm so glad I said that. And that's exactly how I feel. I, I like, if I walk into a room and Andrea owns there, I'm like, Oh, thank God. Andrea is here. Okay. We're not. This won't be- Hopefully we don't have to play games. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we won't have to play games, but if nothing, else, don't make Andrea start a game. This will mm-hmm. not be boring. This will not be boring. It, it won't be boring. And it will not and- be bullshitty. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't have a high tolerance for that. But I, I, I say all that because I, I hope that people listening have people in their lives where you feel at least somewhat trusting enough because it's scary to come and say like, can you tell me something I'm great at, or can you, can you let's let's compliment each other. And I encourage people to incorporate that into their friendships, where like maybe every Friday, you. It, you know, and you can, you can infuse some humor into it, say things to each other. Like you're so glorious. I need to go to a meditation <laughs> so I can meditate on it. But the we other thing you can do too, if you don't want to ask, cause I understand that asking seems sort of horrible. Um, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually another one of the things I was going to say with the, with the make some art about it is, and remaking old stories, right. Those rewriting some of those memories Yes, is mm-hmm. starting right now all of you keep a running list of all the compliments you get every day. Mm-hmm. And I know you think, Oh, I'm not going to get any, but you totally do. People are always like, Oh, you look nice. And you write down looks, yeah. looks nice. You know? Oh, that was a smart thing to say. Smart thing that says smart things, you know, and don't worry about who said it or what you think their agenda is or what you think they it meant by it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. We're just collecting words. And what you'll notice is first of all, they'll start to sort of clump up, you know, like you'll see, mm-hmm. oh, there's a lot of stuff about how sort of friendly and outgoing I am. Or, oh, there's a lot of mm-hmm. stuff about me being funny and sarcastic. And, you know, that's like, so you'll start to sort of see some trends. And then when you have those crises of confidence, you can go, well, 
overall, people tend to find me friendly, outgoing, sarcastic, and decisive, you know. Right. I can kind of lean on that a little bit. Yeah, because I wrote it down. Here it is. Right. Here's the evidence that this is actually what Mm -hmm. people think. Because you're getting way Mm -hmm. more positive feedback every day than you know you are. It's very, very true. And this is something I encourage with my clients too about reading, you know, notes that people have sent them, testimonials, Mm -hmm. client emails, things like that. So I'm so glad we we stayed an extra few minutes to talk about that. And and thank you, Sam. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Hop over to therealsambennett.com. And I'm the real Sam Bennett on all the things. So all those places. All those places. Yes. So therealsambennett.com. And you can find the books on Amazon and Audible and your local bookstore and all that. So and you have great online programs. And yes, go over there to get more of Sam. And hey, everyone. You know that I'm so grateful for the time that you spend with me and my guests because it is extremely valuable. So thank you for that. And until next time, everybody, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.